You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Dave, how are you doing today? Not bad, Nick. How are you? Fantastic. I'm sure you could have guessed. I'm always fantastic on a Friday. We've got uh, an interesting topic, one that's been coming up quite a bit and really been in the news quite a bit lately, and that is the uh, the power of inflation and what's going on there. Yeah, the silent killer, as, as they used to call it. Yeah, so we really, in the last, boy, what has it been, like 30 years since we've really had like concerningly high inflation numbers, it's always been kind of trending down. So this really hasn't something that, you know, we've always talked about it as something that's going to eventually come back, but we just have been wrong until, you know, recently, as far as some of the big numbers of inflation goes. So, but interesting topic to think about, you know, what's the, you know, where's inflation at now? Where is it going and how does that affect uh, investments and financial planning? It's, it's come up in every client conversation over the last couple of weeks. That's, that's usually it's time that we should either write something or record something, right? It's been all over the Wall Street Journal and a bunch of other, you know, the, the news. And so, you know, they're throwing out this big number. I think the January inflation number was seven and a half percent. And so it's kind of got people in a little bit of a tizzy because, you know, we haven't seen inflation. It's been kind of, well, it's been low and it's been um, consistently low for a long time. Yeah, it's it's been, it's been since I was a kid that we really had to, you know, see headlines about inflation. And that seven and a half percent January number is the, the highest year over year change in I think two decades. So going back at least to the um, the tech bubble. A long time coming. So I, I thought today we'd do a little bit, uh, we'd talk a little bit about why inflation has been low and then what's changed to make it high and then what maybe we can expect and, and how that's going to play out as far as financial planning goes. So in talking about kind of why inflation is low, I, I think one of the biggest things is that has impacted it is really technology and technological advances. And, you know, some are calling it, the, you know, the Amazon effect, right? Basically, the, the cost of producing a lot of the goods we consume today is lower. And that's meant lower prices for those goods. And kind of kind of part of that too is globalization and what uh, what you you called the China effect, I think, when we were prepping our notes for this, that uh, the ability to import things made it a lower cost in other parts of the world helped hold prices down too. Yeah. So we, I mean, we've got a lot going on there. Obviously, you know, Amazon is able to, you know, bring those goods to your door and depending on where you live in as little as an hour. Um, so the, the infrastructure there has really had an impact where you don't have to get something locally in order to get it, you know, now. And I'm somewhat afraid for my kids' generation because they think everything just shows up right, right now at your door. Right. <laughs> They don't know what waiting it really or patience really is, but it's a different subject for a different podcast. Um, but, you know, that's kind of where we're at now. But before that was, you know, we could go out and we could go to China and we could get goods made at a much lower price there and ship them. Um, and so that has had a really major impact on keeping inflation very low. 
Um, not necessarily that demand wasn't there, but we could continue to provide supply at a lower rate. And so that's why prices haven't necessarily gone up as much as they normally would. And another force that held inflation much lower than, than historic norms since the 1980s was increased use of monetary policy to control inflation and to stimulate the economy. In the early 80s, the government began intervening in the interest rate market more with the goal of keeping inflation under control. The Federal Reserve, as we call them in the United States, is, is kind of in charge of monetary policy and setting rates. And their number one goal since they were formed, however long ago, was to keep inflation in check. And so, you know, they create monetary policy around trying to make sure that in long-term inflation targets are in that you know, two to 3% range. And not only in the United States, we've also seen more and more of this um, across the board internationally. And so a part of the reason why interest inflation has been low is because we have monetary policy now that's designed around keeping it low um, and really improved in being able to do that in the last 30 years and, and really been a little and, and part of that is without getting into too much of the details and probably misstating, but a big part of it is that they don't necessarily report to the government. They're a separate arm. So they're autonomous and able to do some things that they maybe wouldn't be able to do if they were taking a lead from Congress or the president. There's some stuff we could unpack there that's changed over the last couple of years. But uh, and, and so that kind of sets the backdrop of you know, what we're seeing now is is seven and a half percent inflation all of a sudden when we were seeing two percent or less for, you know, a good chunk of our careers anyway, right? You know, to go with that two percent is also, you know, it's been a relatively low interest rate environment right. um, for a big chunk of that as well. And the kind of the purpose of bringing these things up is to say, okay, yes. We have high inflation now. We'll unpack a little bit about why that is, but also inflation has been low. And so these are the, the trends that we talked about are things that we don't necessarily think is going to go away. Um, I would still consider technology advancements and, and the things that they're doing in, in Amazon's quest to take over the world. Um, still going to help keep inflation low, um, at, at least in the for the foreseeable future. Um, I don't. We we've seen the Fed act on the current inflation and talk about rising interest rates to combat inflation, and so I don't think monetary policy is going to change. And I would also say that I think globalization continues. Um, we continue to see those trends. Um, I don't. I don't see a big change happening as far as that goes either. So against that that backdrop, all of a sudden, starting hmm, late summer, twenty twenty one, we started to see inflation numbers rise, and at least a good part of that is all related to COVID and the fact that we were coming out of the COVID crisis of early 2020 with unprecedented government stimulus being pumped into the economy in the form of not just low interest rates and the Federal Reserve intervening in the bond market, but also the uh, government providing actual cash right in people's pockets, right? At the same time, we had 
mines and mills and factories at a complete standstill. So they weren't producing anything. So we had, we have people with money in their pockets to spend, which is a good thing. And we have fewer goods for them to spend it on. And that, that's pretty much just microeconomics 101, right? You've got, you've got too many dollars chasing too few goods. Demand is higher than supply. So what does the price do? It goes up. I mean, absolutely. It, it, it's kind of give you an analogy. Imagine, you know, taking your kids to the arcade, filling their pockets with quarters and telling them they got to wait 15 minutes before they can get out there. And That's right. you can imagine what's going to happen after 15 minutes. They're right. going to go crazy out there. So, so we've got, we've got all kinds of pent up demand and at the same time factories and, and, and that trickles up the supply chain, right? If, if a mill can't make steel, then, then GM can't turn that steel into a car and, you know, we're still dealing with chip shortages and all sorts of um, companies trying to play catch up in terms of supply. So that's part of the inflation issue. And then at the same time, we've got historically low unemployment. And so the last employment number I saw was 3.9% unemployment. And thinking back to my economics classes, Anything below five percent is pretty much included, in, pretty much counted as one hundred percent employment, because they figure there's always a few people looking for work or changing jobs or in between things. So any unemployment number that comes in less than five percent is is a very strong employment number. You don't have to go much further than driving down the street and seeing all the places that are hiring to figure right. out that, you know, we've got a really strong labor market right, right. now. It, and so, so when you think about what does that mean for inflation? Well, it does two things. One is companies have to compete to get labor. So they have to increase their wages, which means they have to increase the price of their products to cover those wages. And at the same time, those workers now have more money in their pockets and, again, are chasing the same depleted, empty shelves, you know, and, 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 and looking to buy more goods with, with the extra money they have. And that adds inflation pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Not, and, and on top of that, too, um, you know, for the workers is the fact that the markets have also done really well the last couple of years. And so now you've got people, you know, retirees that are you know, feeling better about where things are coming through the pandemic and realizing that they can spend more money because of how well things have gone. Their portfolio is worth more. Their house is worth more. They probably have more in the bank because they just haven't been able to spend money much for the last couple of years. So all of these things kind of roll together into inflation. So what does this mean for where inflation's headed? Some of this we would still expect is going to work out, work out of the system as goods and services, as as supply of products comes back to more of a normal level. And and what what happens, you know, to the lumber, I think, is a good example because we saw lumber prices skyrocket last year and then level off and then jump again. They've kind of been all over the place. But, you know, lumber is one of those things that was severely impacted during the COVID shutdowns because there just wasn't any any mill activity going on. And then everybody was sitting around thinking about all the home improvements they wanted to do. 
at the same time because they got tired of staring at the same four walls during lockdowns. And so there was, there was a spike in demand at the same time there was a supply disruption. But what happens when a price of a product you're producing goes up? You try to produce as much of it as you can, right? And so then what, what happens to the price? It, go, it comes back down. So Absolutely. So, so some of these things will eventually iron themselves out. You know, at the, on the one hand, you, those commodity kind of things will, will work out. But on the other, you know, anything that is labor intensive and wage intensive, I would kind of expect we're going to continue to see price pressure on because, you know, folks aren't going to go back to accepting $10 an hour when they've been making, you know, 18 or, or 19 here during the, during the, um, COVID recovery. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think there's a couple of things going on. You know, some things are going to continue to um, stay at higher inflation levels and some things are going to level off and go back to kind of where they were, right? So and that, and that a lot of that is based on demand, but also some of the supply issues and if they get worked out. But we, you know, I, I do anticipate things to come down to more of a normal level, but probably not back to what we've seen as far as how low inflation is. Kind of back where we started, inflation, the, the Federal Reserve targets an inflation rate around 2%. There's some, there's some fudge factor in there, but they target 2%. And we were running at 2% or below for a long time. So the idea of running above 2% when 2% is an average target, really shouldn't be alarming. Absolutely. I mean, that, I mean, when, in order to get an average, you're going to be above it sometimes, you're going to be below it sometimes. And a lot of it depends on where it is. And, and the kind of the, what the Fed's trying to figure out is how do we slow things down so inflation long-term isn't so high that the average is moving up right. versus, you know, how keeping the economy running and keeping things, you know, so they want to cool things off, but they don't want to dump ice on the fire. Get ready for the biggest marketing summit in Lansing's history. Circle Friday, May 6, 2022 on your calendar. Zedia Media will be hosting the summit at the Royal Scott Banquet Facility. All the big bosses of marketing will be there, including key sponsors like M Connections, Super Web Pros, Uno Deuce Multimedia, Paper Image, Michigan Creative, Jungle Jane, and Weathervane Roofing. Tickets are on sale now at zediamedia.com. That's Z-E-E-D-I-A media.com. 17 presentations on marketing trends you need to know for your business. Big prizes, lots of fun. Your presence will be honored. Your absence will be noted. We've always got to keep in mind that inflation for the right reasons, because the economy is growing, controlled inflation for the right reasons is a sign of a healthy economy. You, if, if you've got 4% unemployment and factories running full steam, you're going to have, you're going to have inflation. And, and you want a little bit of inflation. And we've got we've to keep in mind that that's different than inflation that's caused from a crisis of confidence. You know, I, I've joked with a couple of clients, you know, it's high, but it's not Venezuela, you know, lately. And, and the difference is the, what we're dealing with is the result of a healthy economy that's trying to, you know, consume goods and stay 
pumping along, where the other thing that can cause inflation is when nobody believes in your currency. And, right. and that's, you know, that's, that's a whole different kind of inflation and a whole different concern. And we're not, we're not there. That's a whole different podcast. We'll, we'll set that aside. But, um, but uh, you know, inflation for the right reasons is, is, is not a negative. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think it's to some degree almost a good sign in that the U.S. economy is really built on consumer demand as being right. a big part of it. And so right. the fact that there is a lot of demand is a good thing, but we, you know, there's too much, then all of a sudden we get too much inflation and that can be a bad thing. So again, it's that kind of balancing act of take some of the good with the bad. Which kind of kind of brings us to uh, kind of where where things look to be headed. And the expectations that, that we've seen on, on charts this week are that like the 12-month expectation is for inflation to settle down around 5%. But then like the five-year targets are, are coming down to you know, kind of around the 3% range. And so 7.5% isn't going to persist. The Federal Reserve is now expected to raise rates several times over the next 12 months if the numbers don't start to come back down. How does that relate to personal financial planning? What are some things that people should be thinking about and doing as it relates to not only their investments, but also, you know, infl- a big part of inflation is cash flow and, and figuring out how to manage right. higher expenses. So from a portfolio standpoint, one thing to keep in mind, the only thing that outperforms inflation over the long term historically has been the stock market. When we talk about a rising interest rate environment and an inflationary environment, it can have a short-term negative impact on the stock market. And we've certainly seen that over the last few weeks. But keep in mind, part of the reason we're feeling inflation is because portfolios have done so well over the last few years that everybody has extra money to spend if they've been invested. And we've got to keep in mind, the stock market is a leading indicator of economic growth. The stock market's always going to try to anticipate that the economy is getting better and it will jump ahead of it, right? But then inflation is a inflation is a is a lagging indicator. You have the, the inflation that results from growth comes after the after the economic growth or during. And so in a way it's like we got our dessert by having the portfolios grow and now we're starting to see prices go up. But hey, look. We've got extra money to cover those, right? Because the because the portfolio did better than we expected. It'd be it'd be a lot easier psychologically if the growth in the portfolio and the inflation impact happened at the same time. Does that make sense? It's, it's a little, yeah, it's a absolutely, little, it's a little bit of a stretch, maybe. But you know, it's like we are, it's like we got dessert and now we're eating our broccoli. You know, <laughs> so keep that in mind. But also, so in a in a rising interest rate environment in an inflationary environment. We do have to, you know, keep an eye on bond portfolios. Interest rate increases are kind of the the enemy of bonds, and um, for that, I just remind people we didn't buy bonds because we thought they were going to outperform stocks. We we buy bonds to kind of level out the um, the uh, the stock market volatility and 
Also keep in mind that while rising interest rates can make bond prices go down, it makes the yields on those funds go up. So you might see the value of your bond fund go down in the short run, but then it's going to build back up over time because the bonds inside that portfolio will be paying higher interest rates as they turn over. So it tends to even out. It just, it's just kind of in fits and starts. Um, a lot of folks try to do things using bonds that can uh, be a little more defensive. We do you know, include some treasury inflation protected bonds in some of our portfolios for this reason. Um, other things you do tend to increase anything you do to, to outside of treasury inflation protected bonds can have the effect of making your bonds behave more like stocks. So you have to be careful about that. And we tend to avoid those approaches. That all makes a lot of sense. But one thing that, you know, those are, are all great strategies. But one thing I think that people need to think about too is just because there's inflation doesn't mean that you know, this isn't an all or none of, hey, there's inflation now, so put everything into stocks because that's going to outweigh or put everything into treasury inflation protected securities and stay away from normal bonds. It's kind of a balancing act. Um, and then having a diversified portfolio and having some of those things in there when inflation comes is good, but inflation's not going to be around forever either. And we're not trying to time inflation in terms of we think it's going to be high for a long time. Um, it's, it's all about having a balanced portfolio and, and even, um, there's an interesting chart and we'll put this chart book on the show notes. Um, but it talks about the interest income on cash, which is saving CDs and then the real return and how obviously with inflation kicking up and interest rates still being very low, your real return is negative and quite negative as a matter of fact. Um, but that doesn't mean in no way, shape or form, are we ever going to tell anybody, Hey, you shouldn't have any cash. <laughs> right. Um, right. <laughs> you know, in terms of, in terms of the stock market, inflation, like so many other economic factors might, you know, a changing interest rate and inflation environment may change the winners and losers, but in a diversified portfolio on a net, it's not necessarily a negative. Also to any time we go through transition periods, and this, this would mark a transition period where we the Federal Reserve has gone from what they call an easy monetary policy or having low interest rates to being expected to increase interest rates. That's always going to kind of set the market back in the short run. And I think that's a great point. You know, you mentioned short run. And so if you're an investor, um, if you have a portfolio and you don't necessarily need to take the whole thing out tomorrow, maybe you're taking income or maybe you've got 10, 15, 20, 30 years for retirement. And this is going to be a blip on the radar in, in 20, 10 years. And so it shouldn't affect your long-term strategy at all. What we're talking about today is based on what we know right now, but a lot of things can happen to change that landscape very quickly. And I think a good example, think back to, we've brought this up a couple times in other contexts on our podcast, but remember what we were talking about in January and February of 2020, you know, there was the interest rates had started to be it started to rise and the Fed was increasing interest rates. And we were talking about how many rate increases we might see during the course of 2020. And all of a sudden we were back at zero again in March. 
you know, and, and, and so, you know, while we talk about these things, like to say, oh, well, okay, you know, Dave and Nick are talking about a rising rate environment. I need to reshuffle my portfolio because of that. Well, okay, there's other things going on in the world too right now. Um, you know, we could, we could talk about Russia and, and Ukraine and, and where that's headed. I don't, I don't really want to go there, but things can come up that impact the economy it causes the Fed to say, there goes the inflation expectations for this year. We're back to a lower rate environment. And all of a sudden, if you made changes to your portfolio based on where we're standing right now, thinking things were obvious, you're, you're not, you're, you're, you're assuming a lot there. And, and to kind of, kind of put my own, you know, I made a bet with the CFO of the bank I worked at in 2011 that by 2015, you'd be able to buy 5% one CDs again, one year CDs, a better lunch. And uh, we still have, you know, that was, that was seven years ago and one year CDs have still never come close to 5%. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that ties in with our prediction podcast. (laughs) You know, at the end of the day, interest rates are as hard to predict as the stock market itself because all of those things roll into just, we just really don't know. We just really don't know for sure where things are headed. The main takeaway for today is... You really shouldn't build your portfolio around a rising rate environment or around a falling rate environment. You build a portfolio that's going to be okay no matter which direction the Fed goes and which direction inflation goes. And as far as inflation itself goes, you know, the same maxims hold true. Don't keep extra cash just for the sake of having cash. Keep the, you know, keep an emergency fund. Keep the money that you need to spend in the next 24 months or longer if you're a little more conservative. Um, but, but anything beyond that, think long-term and, and, and have some exposure to risk and some exposure in the markets because that's what outperforms inflation in the long run. Yeah, that's great advice. Another thing um, on the more financial planning side, one thing that folks should probably be doing with inflation is taking a look at your budget and thinking about, A, do you have projects that you were planning on doing and getting estimates, quotes for? You probably want to revisit those and maybe um, see what that's going to cost you. And, and then on a more daily level, um, you know, there's been quite a lot of inflation around groceries and prices there. So you probably, it's probably a good time to revisit your budget and put a little bit more in that grocery budget, maybe a little bit more in the gas and kind of shuffle things around so that you're prepared for these higher expenses. We made it all the way to 27 and a half minutes before we got to <laughs> But you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. At the end of the day, if you budget it, if, you're, if you have a budget, you're going to know what inflation means to you. And you're also going to know what you can do about it and what you can adjust. So... Doesn't get much much more black and white than that, does it? Yeah, you know that. Well, the the sooner you can catch the cash flow, the sooner you can make those adjustments, the better off it's going to be. You're not going to be caught, in, and hopefully, your wages have gone up as we've seen the wage wages go up. Um, so hopefully, you're getting increases. Usually, you know, a lot of those things happen the first of the year, and so you know, you have a little bit extra money to put into your cash flow into your, um, you know, into those budget categories that are probably going to go up. And then the last thing that I would say too, um, 
If you haven't, because the interest rates are going up, it's probably a good time to look at, do you have loans that could potentially be refinanced? Um, I think I saw mortgage rates were at 4%. And, and one of one of the news outlets, like that was some astronomically high and it's high for what it's been the last couple of years. But, you know, there's a lot of people that would, would have died for a 4% mortgage, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. So still not out of the realm of possibilities, but if you have a long-term debt, maybe refinancing now, if interest rates do keep increasing, something to look at, something always to kind of be aware of. It's not too late, so... Cool. So um, we have a whole bunch of um, charts, a couple of them that we referenced that we will definitely put up in the show notes. Um, But as as always, if you have questions on inflation or rising interest rates and how that might affect your portfolio that we didn't answer, shoot us an email at info at srbadvisors.com. We would love to to help you get ready for... what should be a little bit higher inflation than maybe we've had in the past and making sure that you're financially prepared for that. Yes, sir. I think we're, uh, I think we're good to go, Nick. Thanks, Dave. All right. Have a good day. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.